Hello and welcome back to the Pilgrims Podcast. My name's Archie and joining me for this little intro before we get into the main bulk of the pod is Tom. How are you doing, mate? Hi, Archie. Yeah, really good. Really good. Back again after uh, only a couple of days after the last pod. Speaking to Chris Arrington. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Nice of him to uh, give us his time. Yeah, absolutely. Good to have a good to have a professional journal. Uh, in in, well, not in not talking there. about Carabao shops and where to find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've not had Mark Lovell for a few weeks, so good to get another <laughs> journal, professional journal back in, keeping us in check. Yeah, um, keeping it nice and fair. Um, probably spared us of one or two of extra digs at uh, our former manager that I might have said out of bitterness. But that's probably yeah. not a bad thing. Yeah, same, same here. I found myself questioning, oh, do I even like him now? Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. But it's kept us honest. Um, we'll listen to this next part and we'll come back after and maybe uh, reflect on it all and see what we think on Ryan Lowe after this two-hour therapeutic exercise. Sound good? Yeah, mate. Yeah, good. Who we got? Uh, who we got joining us? So obviously it's me, you, Chris Allen, Chris Errington again. Came back for more. Josh McCoughlin and George Hodson. The last two are journalists from the Preston North End uh, perspective, so to say. So we're really grateful for them giving us our time, their time rather. All right, we'll dive on into the pod and we'll um, meet you at the other side to uh, give our thoughts on it. All right, welcome back to part three. As we come to the current day, Ryan Lowe's two and a half years into his job at Preston. And George, thank you ever so much for joining us. You guys are doing pretty bloody well at the moment, aren't you? Top of the table, happy? How are you feeling? Got to be happy with that. I don't think there was much optimism heading into the season, really. You know, a few tough games to start the season with. 13 points is just better than anyone could have possibly imagined. You know, I think people were expecting a tough year. The league just looked strong, didn't it, from the start with the teams coming down, teams coming up. And Preston didn't play particularly well for large parts of last season, but managed to end up mid-table, you know, clear of any trouble. Um, and you would have taken that again, to be fair. There wasn't too much excitement and stuff, but North End have had a pretty solid summer in the transfer window. Spent a bit of money. Um, and yeah, just a little bit of a change style seems to be suiting this this squad of players a bit more. Uh, Josh, I'll come to you, mate. I'm looking back at last season in preparation for this podcast, and there seems to be a game, Wigan Athletic, on 25th of um, February. You're 1-0 down at half-time, and Lowe's kind of, you know, he's looking like he's going he's gonna to be gone at full time if, if they don't turn around that game, which they did. They go on to pull it back and win 2-1. But at that point, are North End fans kind of wanting him out or the club wanting him out? Can you set the scene for us a bit? I'd say it was pretty toxic at that point. I remember it well. Um, at half-time, 1-0 down to Wigan, who I think were bottom at the time. It was an own goal as well that had given them the lead. Um, and it wasn't great. Just before that, we'd lost five games in a row. Uh, five league games in a row and in the middle of that was a battering from Spurs as well in the FA Cup. Um, we just about got a 1-1 draw with Luton after that and then that Wigan game, it wasn't looking good. It was it was toxic when he was coming down the tunnel. He ran down. Um, somehow we pulled it back in the second half. We won 2-1. I think it was a penalty from Daniel Johnson and then Tom Cannon scored. And then after that, we didn't lose another home game until the last game of the season. So... Um, yeah, it was a massive sort of sliding doors moment. Um, 
managed to pull it around, whether it was, I couldn't, I couldn't really pinpoint it to anything in particular. It was just, we after that, we sort of seemed to play quite a lot of teams that were down at the bottom and we were, right. we were better than them. We, you know, we, we weren't like thrashing them or anything, but we were getting those wins and then, Somehow we ended up getting in with a chance of the playoffs. Um, last few games of the season, we were in touching distance. I think it was an away game at Millwall and we were actually joint six at the time. But then when we played the teams who were actually properly in the playoffs, we just weren't that good enough, really. Um, but yeah, so the season ended in fairly good spirits. But yeah, you're right in that Wigan game. I think the vast majority of North End fans would have been happy to see him go at half time, to be honest, and not even come out for the second half. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Bloody hell. I mean, what what was your guy's feeling when he's unveiled two and a half years ago? Is there a lot of excitement about it? I mean, yeah, what was the general reaction to Lowe's, Lowe's unveiling, unveiling George? Yeah, I think there was. You know, Preston had appointed Frankie McAvoy, who was Alex Neal's assistant. Alex had done a really good job for a long period of time. Frankie had never managed a team before. And it just never got going. You know, it was it was a staleness, I would say. You know, you didn't have a clean break from one set of coaching staff. He was, it was just kind of hanging on to something that no one was really believing in or behind. And then Ryan comes in and, you know, he's got a good reputation at that time, given his work at Plymouth and Bury. Um, you know, his first press conference, as I'm sure you're not surprised to hear, did capture the imagination of fans because he's just like that, isn't he? You know, charisma. Um, people were really on board and then you win the first game um, sign Cameron Archer in January who was unbelievable um, so yeah I would say at the start there was there was it was exactly what North End needed really and then obviously a few challenges were to come down the line but yeah that first month was really good So was he was he selling you guys a big dream was he coming up north and saying in three four years X is going to be achieved are you guys do you have essentially it's a premiership in your sights or or not I can't remember if he said, I'm going to take us to the Premier League, but he said, we're going to attack with six, we're going to defend with four. It's going to be, you know, really entertaining attacking football. And yeah, Archer definitely helped that. He was just unbelievable to watch. Um, and then the season after, you know, as Josh will say, the, the home, the stuff at home was dire. It was really poor. Um, and but, but Ryan was still talking about this kind of brand and, and style that, you can't kid football fans, it wasn't there. Um, mm. They managed to pick up some results away from home by being gritty and tough to beat. But, it, you know, that what the manager was saying wasn't being seen. Right. And then that, that's been stripped back this year. I think Josh would probably agree with me there. You know, he's not kind of selling it as something it's not. Um, and the style has changed a little bit as well, which for a club like Preston, you know, how, how do a club like Preston go and play teams like Middlesbrough off the park and teams like that? It's, it's very hard to do, so... I think he's learned a lot over the last two and a half years. I mean, promising on a free-flowing style of football and they're not quite delivering it sounds, Tom Kirk, slightly familiar. I've no doubt he wanted to do that. But, you know, with, with you've, I think you've, Alex Neal was good because he used what he had and got the best out of that. And yeah. I think yeah. With, 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 you know, Preston's budget and that, you've got to go that down that route. Yeah, Tom... Just, I've got yeah. I'll, I'll fire it back to the boys quickly. So um, uh, yeah, look, it does that does sound familiar. Our experiences, it's got better. That said, you know, his successor to a Stephen Schumacher who worked with him has built on that, and he's had more seasons with us, so we can see it more. There's definitely a pattern in the low Schumacher era if you combine it for Plymouth Argyle of 
um, good prep in the off season and a nice system to watch, which throws people early on. And then we kind of build on that uh, currency. I don't know to what extent that's been taken to North End. But my question to you, Josh, is um, looking at it at the time and then now, how how aware a North End of, of what Ryan Lowe is now and kind of maybe what he had left behind at Plymouth Argyle? In terms of a style of play, I mean, it's changed this season. I don't think we have an identity as such. I think what was very difficult when he first came in uh, midway through the season, obviously a key part to his style of play is the wing-backs. We didn't have any natural wing-backs when he came in. It was probably double figures in terms of the players he used. Scott Sinclair was used there, Tom Barkus and Pace, but not not your natural wing-backs. Alan Brown was shoved into right wing-back and... Well, he didn't do a bad job for Ireland the day against Mbappe there, but he sort of had to like, conform those players and, and Brad Potts has turned into a fantastic right wing back as well. But obviously, I think it, if you guys will correct me, that was a key part in, in Plymouth's success really was, was your wing backs and, and probably similar with Berry too. Um, so this attacking brand and all that didn't really happen his first half season, definitely didn't happen at home last season. This season, we've just become a bit harder to beat. Um, I wouldn't say it's an attacking brand as such. We're taking our chances. Um, we've just become a more solid team overall. I think the best thing to come in his tenure is 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 the solidarity within the team. The fit, they, they, they played to the very last minute. We had quite a few last-minute winners last year. Um, but, but yeah, this attacking brand hasn't quite come to fruition, but to be fair to him, he doesn't brag on about it as often as he used to do. So it's it's a bit better to actually take now, yeah. I was um, reading that, I think in the last week or so, he was kind of saying he's learned from the season that's been, referring to last season, saying his fingers got burnt a bit regarding the comments he made. Um, is Ryan Lowe finally growing up a bit? Self-aware, what came to mind? Actually, self-aware. The guy, the guy certainly seems to think that's the um, that's the case. Is that? Would you agree with that, George? Yeah, I think he's more measured now. I think his ego has probably been humbled a little bit. You know, the championship is tough. Look at the managers in the championship like these days, and and the squads. You know, you're coming up against a lot of real tactical coaches, which. I think Ryan is he's good at that to a degree, but I don't think that's his major strength. I don't think he's like a real tactical coach who, you know, meticulous in, you know, his tactics and stuff and preparation and meetings and all that kind of stuff, data. I think he's he's a bit of a throwback manager. Um, you know, he, he likes his experienced players. He, he, he's been in the FL all his career as a, as a player and manager. He's decent in front of the microphone. He plays it plays the game quite well, even though I heard what he said before about a few terms slipping up and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think he's learned a lot and I think his interviews now are a lot more measured than when he, when he first came. And just just on that though, like, again, maybe I'm too sanguine, but isn't that natural? Like, he'd only seen success. And Potentially, it's working. yeah, like, yeah. There is a sort of sense of decent player, went to Berry, got them promoted, came to us, did well. We had a weird season that was the COVID season. He was doing well, like, isn't it natural that maybe then you struggle and you think, well, maybe I need to change direction. So I don't hold anything like that against him. I think that it's hard to call it growing up. Maybe it is just the lesson of having a tougher season means I need to try a different angle and fair play to him. 
And in his defence, Chris, I would say it's, it's really interesting in this context, but the guy's gone League 2, League 1, and he's currently top of the championship. Exactly. And this is Ted. I live in, for those of you who don't know, I live in America. And, and his version of being over the top is nothing compared to what you see in professional sports over here. Like, there is... It's still relatively considered. He wouldn't um, even be a good real estate agent, mate, over there, or, or attorney. I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'd be sacked in Burger King for being too negative. And there is... I think there is a bit of that. There is a sense of... English football doesn't... Waits for someone who's positive to have a bad time, right? You know, you talk positively, you act positively. We're all waiting for you to lose a few games so we can go, I told you so. Whereas here bombast positivity is the way forward. So I think it's interesting to have an international lens on it. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I think you're never going to have the perfect manager, manager, are you? Even if it's like tactically or really boring to listen to or doesn't quite have that connection with the fans. And Ryan's got a lot of things going for him that if he wasn't here anymore, you, you might think, you know, he wasn't as bad as he as we first thought and but to be fair now the togetherness is there at Preston it's really good again it's good feel back around the club so no point really going to town on what it was like at the start and when it went a bit downhill because Preston are flying at the minute and he's kind of riding a crest of a wave again which I agree with the Wigan game at half time you know back in February you were really thinking this is this is ending this is this is going to be it we were awful in the first half losing to bottom of the table would have been would have given the club a decision to make. So fair play to him for turning it around. Uh, he's done a good job, to be fair. Just on that as well, maybe to your owners. Because it's very... Say again. Easier than and maybe there's a credit to your owners there. It's a, There's nothing easier than getting rid of a manager. Um, yeah, no, Preston do, do give, give managers time, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, speaking of your, speaking of your owners, what kind of club has Ryan Lowe come to? Because he's left... And I think it's safe to say what's considered fairly widely now as one of the best-run clubs in English football in Argyle. And he's come up to Preston. Smith, you know, Peter Risdale there, someone we know fairly well. What what club did Ryan Lowe find? What what, what what's, the, what's the marriage been like? I think it's been all right. I think Risdale's always had a fairly decent relationship with the managers. Um, I think I, I went to a sort of a bit of a fans forum at the back end of last year during the World Cup. And I think Risdale said Ryan Lowe's won the most enjoyable managers he's worked with. Um, I think a little bit different to a fiery Alex Neal, who might have not been happy with a few decisions in in terms of budget and stuff in the past, might have had a big part to do with that. Um, obviously, Ridsdale's down as, as as an advisor. He, he does have a lot to do with the club in terms of the ownership. It's part of the Hemmings family. Uh, so Trevor Hemmings has, did fund us for quite a while. He passed away a couple of years ago, and it's, it's now his son who's in charge of that. Um, we've always been very sensible with our financial deals. We've recently broken our transfer record with the signing of Milutin Osmajic. I don't know if that's correct pronunciation. You might correct me on that one, George. But um, <laughs> we've... And that's only just about £2 million. The last time we... Pretend that there's a bit of this, it's always undisclosed these days, but last time it was officially announced as a transfer record was, was potentially like David Healy about 20 years ago from Manchester United. We've always hovered around that 1.8 million mark in terms of transfer fees. So we've never been stupid. We always do things quite sensible. I think Ryan Lowe's realised that. He knows we're never going to push the boat out and spend silly amounts of money, even though, even though like a lot of teams in the league do. Um, and the fans get that as well. We're never expecting us to make a massive push. We we do as well as we can, but 
every season the championship there always seems to be that one team whether it's Luton last year or Barnes who got in the playoffs a few years ago there's a chance when the big teams do slip up that you can just sneak in and I think that's what our owners are banking on that maybe we could be that team one time if we get all the loan signings right and pick up a few free transfers that could be us that sneaks in yeah uh, Chris Errington Peter Risdale <laughs> rings a bell doesn't it someone you would have had a fair few dealings with, I imagine. Yeah, I had quite a few phone conversations with Peter Ridsdale during Argyle's time in administration. Um, a man that's divided opinion, I think it's fair to say, in, in football over the years. Um, but I think he played quite an important part in making sure that Argyle continued as a club. Um, without him um, and his football know-how, um, Argyle might well have gone out of business. Um, I know people would point at bits and pieces, but I think they needed somebody at the club at that time who who was able to to wheel and deal. He uh, sold a few players for some reasonable fees, considering Argyle were desperate to take any money they could. And um, I think, you know, he did on the whole a, a pretty good job in making sure Argyle stayed afloat um, before James Brent came on board. It's, it's interesting listening to, to Josh and George, because don't you guys think that a lot of what they've said sort of rings true about Ryan's time at Argyle? And... Um, I think from from my perspective, looking at Ryan from 2019 when he arrived at Argyle and he'd done this fantastic job at Berry and everyone was singing his praises and he came into Argyle and he brought the feel-good factor. And then he had um, a sticky spell at Argyle towards the end of the first full season back up in League One and maybe learnt a few things. Then we bounced back stronger the following season. It sounds like a similar thing happened with Preston last year. I think just listening to this podcast that we've had tonight, I think we we couldn't see that that Ryan Lowe has has grown as um as a manager and probably as a person as well. And George and I would love managers to come out and say, speak off the top of their head and come out with these great quotes about identity and all this sort of stuff that you could come up with. But I do think. In the modern world, unfortunately, from a journalist's point of view, you, if you say some um, bold statements, people on social media are always going to hold you to account for them. And there is probably a much better, smoother, make-your-life-easier way of not – I'm not saying bland, but stick to the point. Don't get too carried away with things. It doesn't make great sound bites for anybody. And, and – Maybe George is experiencing that with Ryan now, that maybe Ryan just has tempered down some of the the statements he'd had, and then that makes his life easy. It doesn't raise expectations so much. He doesn't get the ire of fans sometimes if he tries to sell something that it isn't really. You know, as as Ryan Lowe just sort of learnt the game a little bit about being a manager, do you think, George? Yeah, yeah, probably. He did these, um, well, he still does them now, but fist pumps after each game, and he... He like put them on pause for a bit last season. That, that sounds yeah. familiar. <laughs> we had like a we had like a horrible win at Huddersfield, and so we'd been playing all really really poorly before that. And then all the fans were like trying to jeer him on, and he just like told them all to calm down. And after that, said he's like after in the interview afterwards said, yeah, we're just going to put them away for a bit. And then he's brought them back out now when things are going well. Yeah. But yeah, uh, he's yeah. If I listened back to interviews when he first came. Um, I'm sure it'd sound much different to now, but he, he does speak at 100 miles an hour and like 
it's only when you get <laughs> it's only when you get back and listen to it like sometimes you just have to kind of keep listening and make sure you understand what he's actually tried to say but yeah, he's, he articulates himself better than he than he did when he first came out. For us Southerners, George, that Scouse accent can be a little bit tricky at times. Oh no, <laughs> nightmare! I don't, have you got an app or anything that you can just play it and it and it types it for you? No, no, but I could really do with one of those. Oh, no. If you know what, I know of one. Let yeah. me know. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Uh, where so I see what, the um, where I, I see it going, I'm just sat back listening here, um, and it's interesting about the parallels of the clubs. Um, um, in that um, the ambitions are kind of we don't really know where we're going now aren't we because the Premier League we both I think both clubs obviously we've just got this level you guys have been here for a little while now and, and your history is very much at the top table of English football um, but the Premier League is very scary and how we get there is a bit confusing and and, and to have expectations of Premier League football we, we I think we both know is is an unreasonable expectation so I don't really know what happens now. I can, I can, I'll, I'll phrase the question at you for Ryan Lowe and Preston. But where, where I see Plymouth Argyle and Stephen Schumacher is, um, Shuey is um, part of a long-term plan at Plymouth Argyle. I think we could get relegated and he wouldn't be fired. Um, and we want to sort of self-sustain ourselves to a higher level with a better chance of of. Of Premier League football, and I could believe Simon Hallett, our chairman, to buck a trend about sacking managers. I think Shuey's got a job for life if he wants it, barring anything too disastrous. Um, but when I look at you guys at, and um, Ryan Lowe, and it's interesting you said that North End give their managers time. Is a manager's tenure on average is pretty low now, isn't it? Pun pun there. Um, so <laughs> your, your, your top currently. Um, um, I don't know at what point where you don't get. If, is there a world you can live in where you don't get promoted, and Ryan's an acceptable manager to have long term? Because um, and forgive this long-winded question, but looking at the finance, you mentioned the Hemmings uh, family, Josh. So maybe I'll fire the question at you: Is you've got a bit of a financial situation where you turn over about what we do, you pump way more money into player wages than we do. Um, the fields are very much a Premier League or bust strategy on your finances and Peter Ridsdale's got his fingers on 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 that as well. So that's how I see it. it has Ryan Lowe got to do this in a certain amount of time or, and you move on? Or is there a world where North End become a sustainable championship club? Um, it's, it's a tough one, obviously, as a fan. Um, from our perspective, all you want to see is progress every season. That doesn't necessarily mean the league position has to rise each season, but you want to see the club building towards something. Um, I think in the last few years, we've got into a habit of relying on free transfers, relying on loan players. And we've, we've brought in some cracking loan players in the past. Cameron Archer was mentioned before, gone to Sheffield United for big money. Tom Cannon, we had last season, gone to Leicester for big money. Um, Alvaro Fernandez was fantastic for Seth Vandenberg, Daniel Iverson. I could go on. Um, we've been really successful, but you have them for a season, they don't come back and then you're back to square one. You've got to start again. So I think um, whilst we have got a couple of loan signings this year, we've also brought in some interesting players um, like Mads Frockjar from Denmark. Started very well, fairly young, spent a decent fee on him. Could be worth something, you know, could be worth two, three, four times that in a year or two. And I think we've got to be realistic in the fact that we're not expecting promotion. I know we're top of the league now, but it's early days, isn't it? Um, the fans just want to see some sort of 
some sort of framework, some sort of strategy, which which has been a bit absent in the last few years um, in terms of how long Ryan Lowe sticks to that and how long that works well together. Um, unless we're in like a serious relegation battle or something, I don't really see him, you know, getting sacked or, or giving his marching orders. I suppose it depends on how long he wants to stay at a club like Preston with our finances and whether that matches his ambition. Um, he's a very ambitious guy. You know, he's... He likes to be on Sky Sports, on, on on the midweek games and stuff. He likes to get himself about and sort of show off his brand as such. Um, he's got his sights set quite high. Whether they match with Preston for five years, I don't know. Um, but I think if we can carry on making some progress, yeah. as a Preston fan, we're used to the mid-table finishes. We flirt with the playoffs for a little bit. We end up finishing 11th. Um, it happens quite a lot. Um a, a campaign that ended in the top six would be fantastic. But I think with this season, it's the first transfer window where he's properly put a stamp on the squad in terms of bringing in his signings. He's been allowed to flex a little bit. Um, good signs so far. If we can finish, you know, early days, but if we can finish the season with a lot of these players showing that they've been good signings for the club and, and they've got a, a good future, then I think Ryan Lowe will be happy with that. And it's just a case of him trying to improve on it next year and, and see what goes on. But it seems to be a good relationship between Lowe and Ridsdale. Um, like, like me and George have both mentioned, he's, he's learned a lot in terms of what he says in interviews. He's still fairly fresh into his managerial career, isn't he? He's what, this is his fifth season or so. Um, so I think he's learning. I think right now it's, it's a good match. How long that lasts, I'm not sure. But I don't see there being a massive fallout if we're just still still around that mid table top half position, really. George, would you um would you back that out again? I, I don't want to make this an accounting lesson, but um, <laughs> you you look um, not the difference I can see between Argyle and North End is North End look like um, you're not you're not set up to not reach the Premier League. There comes a point if you don't reach the Premier League, um, there's a lot of money being thrown in, and then there's a question of what happens next. And I needn't you know, look too far into the championship has formed, doesn't it? For that sort of strategy, not working, um, going above one's means and then, um, and, and then, you know, points deductions and relegations, that kind of stuff. Is there that kind of, do North end fans get in? Is that a conversation that North end fans even have? Do they just sort of live in the moment or is there, um, is there a, is there a, not an identity crisis? I mean, not, but is there a, it's kind of a, feeling of no modidity to um north end where you know where are we are we are we going up are we staying here um what does what does the future hold post headings like basically is there a five-year um, plan I, you you tell me there might be one that i've not read about i don't think we're in any real like danger if we need, we need to go up or anything like that to be fair i think hemmings is a very very wealthy people that have a lot of money and you know tw- putting 12 million in of their own money a year does you know it's money that you know, most of us will never even, you know, couldn't even imagine of having, but, you know, it's probably not like deep, digging too big of a hole in their pockets, you know, burning, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I think Preston are being run sensibly. They always will be. And, you know, they don't really throw huge money around. I know they've spent a bit this summer, but um, nothing too major. They need to get back selling players, really. One sale every that 18 months. Me. Just keeps you comfy, and North End haven't done that for about three years now. So, obviously, COVID it was especially hard to do that. But uh, yeah, you need to just 
you know, build your squad, develop assets, and then just sell one every every month, every year, and maybe a year and a half. I think Brentford did it as well as anyone, and that helps so much because it just balances the books every every couple of years. Um, but yeah, in terms of Ryan Lowe, I think I think he said when he first came, he does if he's not done it like after three or four years, then he'll just step aside. I don't think he's any interest in like just dragging along and dragging along. So you know, he'll want to see progress, but. I think at the minute it's a decent match, like Josh said. Um, and yeah, we'll just see how these next couple of years go. Someone might come in for him one day. Preston might get rid of him one day. Um, but at the minute, you know, I think they're all right, really. Going okay. Okay, we're going to take a wee pause here. And then we're going to come back and discuss that big game at Deepdale and see who's going to come on top when it comes to Shuey versus Low. Back in a bit. Okay, welcome back to the fourth and final part. We're now going to look at this big game at Deepdale. Well, it's big for us. Um, George and Josh, do you guys even care? Do you know what, that it's a big deal for us? Or is it just another game for you? Go on, George. Um, I think they will have a feel to it. I don't know how many fans Plymouth are bringing, but as I've just said off, uh, off recording, I think the game at Home Park will be a bit more fierce. You know, I assume Ryan will still be here. I think that's the one where you'll definitely feel it a bit more. But um, no, I th- obviously there's a bit of flavour to it and that's always good, I think. Yeah, I think we're obviously not as, yeah, looking forward to it in the same manner that Argyle fans are. Obviously, there's a lot um, that you want to get one over on him. Um, for us, it's just about staying at the top of the table. So I think there'll be a lot of fans excited for Saturday's game, but for for different reasons, really. Um and I suppose Schumacher will be keen to get one over on Low, um, the master against the apprentice of sorts. Um, but for us, it's just another game, really, isn't it? Yeah, no, it'd be interesting. It's, it's interesting it's come full circle. You know, Low, not to repeat the last two hours, Low, Low, Low leaves us to go to, you know, arguably bigger and better things. And now they meet as equals, so to say. It's a fascinating matchup. Chris Errington, you'll be making the trip up to Deepdale first time in a long time that you've been to Deepdale. What are your thoughts on the match? Well, I'm looking forward to, to going there because Deepdale is a great stadium to go and watch football. Um, so um, I, I'm guessing that Argyle will have two to 3,000 fans going up there, um, which I think is probably an indication that, that there would be that's more than they would normally take to a game. But um, I think the Ryan Lowe effect will, will definitely add to the amount of Argyle support that they'll take up there. I think it's almost a bit of a testament to, to Ryan Lowe and Stephen Schumacher and it two good mates from from Liverpool who are, are now regarded as you know among the top young English managerial talents there are you know Ryan Lowe has uh, has gone from League Two with Argyle to the top of the Championship with Preston Stephen Schumacher's win percentage for Argyle in eighteen months is sixty two percent or some ridiculous figure. Uh, and he's got Argyle currently sitting in tenth in the table. So, well, it's a great story, isn't it? Two two guys that have started their managerial t- t- careers together. They've gone the different paths, but there they are, both managing teams in the top ten of, you know, what is often considered the fifth biggest league in Europe, isn't it? So, um, re- really looking forward to the game. Um, you know, Argyle have played away well away from home this season. I think um, they were very unlucky not to get anything from that game against Birmingham thought they put in a good solid performance at Watford so yeah Preston will be extremely um, confident as they should be because they've had a great start to the season but I I, I don't see Argyle going up there 
and being, you know, intimidated by that in any way. If, if they come play as they have done in pretty much every game they've played this season, I, I, I think they'll give a very good account of themselves. Uh, Chris in Miami, are you um, are you looking forward to this game? It's got we were speaking before recording, which feels like a lifetime ago now. We were speaking before recording about that Leicester game against uh, when Ian Holloway had left us, and you'd travel up to the up to the Walker Stadium, whatever it was at that point. Now yeah, King Power, I feel slightly different to that. I mean, that was right, that was fresh, wasn't it? He'd, yeah, he'd left like yeah. I don't know ten days before, and still one of the best days of my life. For <laughs> um, <laughs> reasons that I won't go into but I one thing I will say actually in a, it's again to put a slightly international view on it but the world seems to have forgotten that football didn't start 25 years ago and that's one thing I do like about Preston always have like a club with genuine history still in that old you know you're not sat in the corner of a business park like most clubs <laughs> seem to be these days so I think you know maybe that'll be suspended during the time next week but in a, in a game where the soul of football seems at the top level to be more crushed every week with whatever's going on. I, I think that's the way I look at it. Like forget the managerial bit for a minute. It, it would always be a game I look forward to because I think it's a club with a bit of a soul and a bit of heritage and that goes a long way. Yeah. So looking at, like you say, Chris, taking away the rivalry and looking at, looking at it as just a, another game, uh, George, what can we expect? How are Preston now lining up tactically? What's, what formation are we talking? We've, we as an Argyle, we've evolved kind of two or three times since Lowe has left in our formation and our tactical approach. What can we expect on Saturday in terms of uh, the Preston lineup? Well, this season it's been 3 4 2 1 with a couple of attacking tens in behind Will Keane as a striker, but he's got in- injured on international duty. So it looks unlikely he's going to be ready to play, which might mean the new signing, which Josh pronounced pretty well before, um, <laughs> could start. With no other strikers, so I think Ozmaic might be uh, might be in the team. He's only just coming over, actually, from Spain. He's been waiting for his visa and stuff. But, um, yeah, three four two one wing-backs, back to front a bit quicker. He's, he's not asking the centre-backs... Um, to play as much in terms of passing out from the back, which definitely suits them because the big six-foot lads. Andrew Hughes can do it pretty well. Jordan Story and Liam Lindsay, it's not really their game. So they're just going from back to front a bit quicker, playing higher up the pitch. Um, and yeah, just a bit more pragmatic um, in terms of trying to force this this style on players that it doesn't really suit too much. And then just you've got your midfield two battling in the middle of the park. But... Yeah, Preston are a bit a bit more watchable this season without being like absolutely unbelievable. Well, it's interesting you say. So, w- w- could you say, Josh, that Lowe has developed tactically in his time at Deep Dell? Because to be blunt, that was our main criticism of him down at Home Park that he was tactically pretty one dimensional. And there came a point where teams kind of figure figured us out playing a three five two, and that's what he played throughout his time with us. So has he developed in in a manager? It's taken a lot of time for him to move on from that formation. And the only reason why we're doing that this year is because we're forced into it. Will Keane was our only fit striker at the club. Um, Ted Evans and Emil Reese were out with long-term injuries. Um, On our bench, the only other striking option we had was a 16-year-old called Felipe Rodriguez Gentile. Um, Will Keane's had to lead the line on his own. He's done it very well. Um, and it's allowed us, yeah, to push up two tens behind him, really. And it's just worked very successfully. 
when we've got obviously we've got this new signing now, um, Will Keane shouldn't be out for too long, hopefully. Um, Evans and Emil Reese might be coming back in the next four to six weeks, maybe a bit longer. When we've got some more options up front, I don't know whether he'll go to those two strikers again because we've got quite an abundance of options in midfield now. Um, the two that have been pushing on behind Will Keane, um, Alan Brown, Dwayne Holmes, which has been a fantastic signing, and, and Mads Frockyar. Um, then we've had Ali McCann and Ryan Ledson as options sitting behind them. We've still got Ben Whiteman to come back from injury as well. Um, he might make be on the bench at the weekend. He's probably one of our best players. So Ryan Lowe's got... His hand's been forced in terms of playing one up front, but he's also got a lot of midfielders. So when he does have some more options on up front, a couple of midfielders might have to make way. So, um, But yeah, in answer to your question, he has evolved. Um, he was quite stubborn with his formation that he likes, I think, for the first year and a half we had him. Um, very annoying at some stages when it was clearly wasn't working. Um, teams knew how to line up against us. They knew what to expect. He didn't have any tricks up his sleeve. Um Whenever he did change, it tended to work. So it was a bit annoying that he didn't really do it more often. Um, but but yeah, we I think we, he's worked out that this team and the, and the players he's got available to him can actually work in a couple of different ways now. So he's always going to have a, a couple of selection options. I always find with a player whose name you can't pronounce, they're always more enigmatic, aren't they? You assume them to be better. Always like that, and I can speak Absolutely, for uh, recent yeah. uh, Julio Pregazuelo for uh, you there, George. If he gets on the ball, is <laughs> a wonderful example of that. Came into oh, our team. God, I can't be asked typing that. <laughs> <laughs> Very. Uh, uh, I, I I can't wait to watch him. You will hopefully have the pleasure. Um, yeah. Actually, actually, I hope you don't. Um, interestingly, um, I've found our five games this season are have been really open. Um, I go back to, I think you said um, Lowe when he joined was saying we're going to attack with six and defend with four. Um, Argyle at the minute are attacking with eight, defending with two. And we've played five sides of varying quality and the games have been thoroughly end-to-end, really open. And, and nobody, I think what's deliberate about that strategy is it drags the opposition not down to our level because that sounds like a negative, but I don't think there's anything to combat that other than get it to get in, in the mix. Um, so I'd be really interested to see. I, I saw that you went to Stoke and won, but didn't have a lot of the ball, which is becoming a trend in the championship. Seems like people don't want the ball and, and making the most of your shots. Actually, this question is probably best at Chris Errington because he's spent probably uh, the aggregate the most time with the two managers. Um, there's, there's the two styles that we see, Chris, obviously, but they know each other very well. This is an interesting game of chess, isn't it? Where, you know, they've kind of got the, um, they've got to kind of figure the other one out, but with a wealth of knowledge about each other. Yeah, I, th- I think they started off both as three, five, two people, didn't they? Um, and then they've evolved as they've gone along. And as you've touched on, um, Argyle have had two or three different formations since Ryan Lowe left. And we've now evolved into a 4-3-3 team. Um, So they know each other extremely well, but the the tactics that both are are currently using by the sounds of things are very different from the style that they had when they worked together. So it's quite interesting, isn't it, that um, neither team is going to, by the sounds of it, or we expect play the way that they did when they had the success they did as a pair at Berry and then at Argyle. 
Yeah, mm. Preston, like, just to add some context, context essentially, Shuey, every preseason, he's kind of ripped up the rule book a bit and started again. It's very interesting that he doesn't um, rely on past successes, which is like, I, not to repeat myself, that was kind of feeling with Ryan Lowe. Um, whereas this season, you know, we've gone away from the three at the back. We've transitioned to a four. And like Tom said, at times it's kind of, you know, you've got eight attackers, which leaves us um, a bit exposed at times. <laughs> so so it, could, it could lead to some nervy moments at Deepdale. Um, let's finish off with some match predictions. Huh? Chris in Miami, uh, how, how do you feel? How are we going to do up there? Well, after everyone we said around systems and history that I know nothing about, I'm going to go nil-nil. <laughs> uh, imagine. I think, imagine. I think we'd be happy with that. I think yeah. I think a stubborn... You can't beat a nil-nil on the road, can you? Especially uh, a, yeah, long, exactly. a long trip. If they have a, if a saved penalty in the 90th minute, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> In front of the Green Army. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not right. going to do an in-depth podcast with you guys and then predict a nil-nil draw. It almost feels as though <laughs> what have you been waffling on about for the last uh, X amount of minutes. I'm going to go 1-1, Morgan Whitaker scoring for Argyle. All right, George? 2-1 home win, Lowen Schumacher sent off. <laughs> <laughs> Josh? Uh, I'd probably go for 2-1 as well. That's been um, the scoreline for our other two games this season. Um, I know you've had obviously had a pretty good start to the season. I'm right in thinking the only games you've lost have been 94th minute and 95th minute um, winners. Yep. Uh, thanks. thanks for reminding yeah, us. So another one of them will be lovely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'll go for 2-1 as well. Tom, last but not least. Yeah, I, the thing is, uh, with the draw, um, it's not by accident that, Josh and George, we, um, as a club, I feel there's a, it's a strategy that starts at the top and works its way all the way down to the pitch, actually, which is we'd rather uh, build up lots of three points than than cry about one point turning into zero. Um, so don't be surprised if, despite not having much of the game, in the 90th minute we're trying to win it and only have one defender back and no CDM in place so I think somebody's taking the points and I can't predict um, even if I thought North End could do it I can't predict um, <laughs> and a, a defeat because it would make me sick so I'm also going to go nil-nil <laughs> yes <laughs> oh dear um, right well to really wrap things up if if we could say something to Ryan Lowe or what as a kind of therapeutic ending of this mammoth recording, how, Chris in Miami, how are your feelings and emotions now towards Ryan Lowe, two and a half years on, two hours deep into a podcast? How do you feel on the man? What I'd say to him is thank you for everything he, everything he did for us. I wish you all the best, except for twice this season. Short and sweet, Tom Kirk. Yeah, I think look right at the beginning of the uh, of this conversation, Chris Arrington put some very good points in about um, he did very well for us, and um, there was obviously a bit of hurt of how how that forty eight hours where he left the club, which has sort of tainted the legacy amongst some fans, not all. Um, 
and you know he brought to us some good things but he also brought Stephen Schumacher to us so I would say thank you Ryan but also thank you for leaving and thank you North End for your 250 grand or whatever it was because uh, we're better without him but good luck to you boys Uh, that's I mean we actually incredibly haven't mentioned that that possibly the best thing about Ryan Lowe is giving us arguably our best manager of all time um I promise that's not sour grapes George how how's your feelings on your um current manager two and a half years in um yeah pretty good you know Alex Neal was such a hard one to replace because he was he was just a very very good tactical manager and Ryan's very different to that yeah but, you know, he, he gave us a lift after Frankie. He's been through some tough times. I think he's said something along the lines of, I think Preston's good for me and I think I'm good for them. And I think they are kind of a good match for each other. And, you know, when things are going well, he's he's perfect because he, he gives it to the fans. He gets people, you know, on his side, rallied together as one. And when you've had it the other way and it's a bit stale, you definitely appreciate that more. So... Yeah, he's doing a wonderful job this season so far. I think he's made more good signings than not. I think he's learning. I think he's more measured, which you can always appreciate. You know, it's it's not easy to to humble, you know, scousers at times, is it? So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that Preston are on a good good path at the minute, and you know, I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday. Josh. Uh, it's been a bit of a weird one in, in Ryan Lowe's time. I think there'll be plenty of times when I wouldn't have been that bothered if he left for whatever reason. Um, obviously, now it seems to be working. Um, it's always been, it's never been a dull day with him in charge. Uh, he's very good at the off the pitch stuff. Um, I'd say he has got the fans behind the club at the start of last season. You know, we had, thanks to a really good season ticket offer, but we had like, the best season ticket sales for a long, long time. Um, I think the fans were fully behind the club. He'd obviously promised us this, he promised us that. Went downhill very quickly. But um, this year it seems to be going a bit better. Um, it's it's working at the moment. He's he's a character. It's interesting. Um, and, and yeah, we'll see where it takes us. I'd just like to pick up on something George said. And I think we might have finally hit the nail on the head. That after what felt like a messy divorce, both couples might actually be far happier now. I think Shuey... Is that a club which he fits, which reflects him and vice versa? And the same with Lowe. Um, I think we probably, maybe two and a half years on, both feel um, like it's all worked out for the best. Chris, I'll let you have the final, Chris Arrington, I'll let you have the final word on that. Would you agree or is that a load of nonsense? No, I'd agree with you, Archie. As I I mentioned a bit earlier, you know, Ryan Lowe took Argyle from... The, the the depths of a dreadful relegation to League Two to the top of League One. He left to go to a club that was in a higher division that presumably offered him more money and was closer to his home. And Argyle benefited because Stephen Schumacher stayed and has done a, such a magnificent job. And we're going into this game at Deepdale with two teams who perhaps aren't the most fashionable away from the big city areas, but they're both sitting in the top ten with two very young, ambitious, talented managers who may well go on to bigger and better things. And um, I think it's a story where, you know, two guys that have spent a lot of time together, that will have shared a lot of thoughts about football together, but aren't the same people. They are different people, different personalities, different football tactically as well. They've gone their separate ways and both done really well. So, you know, I... I thoroughly enjoyed working with Ryan as as a journalist to a manager. 
I thoroughly enjoy working with Shuri on the same basis. You know, I wish them both the best of luck for the rest of the season. But obviously, as the Argyle reporter, I don't want to drive 600 miles to Deepdale and back to uh, to see them get beaten. So I'm I'm hoping that Argyle can uh, at least get something out of the game. But looking forward to it. And George can show me uh, all I need to know about getting one of these apps so I can transcribe managers a lot easier. <laughs> Are you doing it in one day, Chris, or not? No, I'll, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. I'll, I'll stay over. So um, yeah, it's it's a bit too far to do in a day yeah. with all the Insane. with all the live blogs, and I don't need to tell you about all the little bits and pieces that go into uh, working on a match day. Mm. Yeah, too right. I felt you, uh, Chris, calm the temperature down there a little bit. So I'd like to revise my prediction to a four 0 win. <laughs> That's what I get. All right. Uh, Chris, George and Josh, thank you ever so much for jumping on and giving us your Sunday evening. We really, really appreciate it. Chris, safe journey up. Thanks, guys. Nice to see you all. Thanks very much for having me. George and Josh, good luck after next Saturday. We wish you all the best. Yes. And thanks again for jumping on. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Nice one. All right then, there we have it. We've uh, we've made it to the end. What did you think of that, Tom? Yeah, it was interesting perspective from the Preston boys, wasn't it? Their yeah. impression of Ryan is quite different to ours. I think possibly because he's had a you know rougher time of it while he's been there. That was my gut feel. Yeah, he's come. He's basically come back from the dead, hasn't he? Somehow, um, if being honest, that Wigan game they highlighted that he was, you know. A wanted man at half time. Deep Dale wanted him out. Him running down the tunnel and all that. It sounded like um, he's really come back from the dead, so to speak. So that's kind they, of a nice arc funny. in itself, isn't it? That fans like. Yeah, they were. They were. Um, they were. They were talking about their own club. They were very positive about it. They thought decision making was good, and they give managers time. Whilst also saying in the same chat, you know, he was eighth one minute and everybody loved him, and then he was fourteenth and he was losing the game or two. That um, you know, he was one game away from the sack. And now he's top and everything's fine again. Um, you know, yeah. the margins at championship level are horrifying, aren't they? In football, yeah. isn't it? I mean, what I found really interesting was that they made the admission, or one of them did, that he is quite old school. That tactics aren't his strong point. And he's, you know, despite his age, quite an old school manager, which is kind of what we we as Argyle fans have been saying for the last couple of years, really, isn't it? The the, the irony that Chris um, re- reminded us the brief of young forward-thinking manager. Um, and he's certainly young, but um, yeah, I, I think as we went on, I'm not sure he was a, the revolutionary we thought. Like I say, it played out from the back, which was pretty obscure at lower league level four years ago, and then suddenly four years on, you're, you're the oddity if you don't play out from the back. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure. Yeah, and that, that's what our goal required. I mean, him, I know he spoke about it, but him talking about that identity identity thing, the board, Argyle put out that that's the criteria. So the fact that he met it is not really, that's not an achievement on his, on his part, is it? You know? <laughs> the fact that he met the job description um, saying, you know, playing good football, being young and whatever else they said. So I, yeah, that's probably something I would have liked to raise that in general, I think we made him modern. I think Argyle being data driven made Ryan Lowe a modern day manager. Because he came in, so I'm, I'm, he came I'm, in with comments like, "Oh, recruitment's easy. You just need to know people, and um, you know that's how it works, basically. Like it's an old man's club, and that's not how our recruitment runs at all anymore." So I'm sure it was a heck of a steep 
learning curve. Well, it was had mixed results, didn't it? Obviously, the ones where they called in a favours, I wasn't massively impressed with. Jimmy Dickinson, who came down with him, is you know hugely influential our recruitment team now, and he was there. So, um, you know, you can look for every Ryan Hardy, you can find a Dom Telford, can't you? Although mm-hmm. actually, it's probably a bad example because I didn't mind Dom, but um, it was certainly short term, and we and we paid money for him. Um, what was interesting is um, I, I'm grateful. I mean, yeah, like, I'm I'm trying to be as collective because, as I, as I can because. I'm a little bit bitter because he managed his exit so poorly and it's got Holloway feels about it. But I'm, I'm grateful that he came because, you know, we, we wouldn't have had Shuey without him and Shuey's better, frankly. We didn't know at the time, but he is. Mm. And and I think Jusnip wasn't part of the buried team, was he? And he came in later. And you kind of think of what skill set does Ryan Lowe have that Shuey doesn't or or we didn't know that he had at the time. And I just think Jusnip, when he joined the team, he's he backfilled those skills if there were any, um, and um, and you know effectively Ryan got you know <laughs> we didn't know at the time we were a bit put, put out by it, but you know he was redundant, wasn't he? Is that fair? No, it's so. like in in hindsight, he felt he he would feel surplus to requirements now with the team that we've got. I mean, we didn't really acknowledge it at the time, did we? But Neil Jusnip coming to the club is the biggest signing in the last five years, arguably. Um. Yeah, it's hard to you know you, your mind wonders what would football at Argyle look like without without him, choosing it that is. Um, and I think you make a great point. I think he probably made up for a lot of Ryan Lowe's failings. A deeply, deeply experienced guy. Yeah, but also seemingly quite forward thinking as well, or has a willingness to be forward thinking. Um, he, he was good. He 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 talks well. He got some good feels um, in that first season. It started well that we got promoted. But it, but it didn't even. I mean, we can have a pod on that season. It wasn't. It started okay. I think it was two or three wins on the bounce, and then it went in a bit. It went a bit. It went. It went down, and it picked up. But in, that football, in my gut feel, yeah. I'm glad. But sorry, but that football that never that, that football never took off. It took off about five games from memory, and then he had to get pretty conservative because it wasn't working. If we're being honest, yeah, like it, bringing, it in Jeff, bringing in Jeff, bringing in Jeff Cott, and um, you know, I, I, I think there was a team, you know, Danny May and George Cooper down that side were, you know, they weren't George Cooper at the, at the time, you know, was certainly not a League Two player, so we were no. kind of just winning games and individual brilliance alone. Like, it, it, there's a game was it against Mansfield where there's just about five yellow shirts just hugging Danny May. Yeah. So um, look, he brought him to the club. He did some good stuff, but look, um, as it sound, uh, as it feels at the minute. We didn't know it at the time, but the the, le- the time he, he left was perfect, you know. Um, and that, I, I'm trying to say that completely free of any bitterness. Um, it was it. It's great that he went when he did. We got some money for him. What we've got now is better. We didn't have any massive upheaval or disruption. It was virtually seamless, and and we got promoted. And you know, Preston, he, he's doing okay. He's top of the league. He's not going to be too unhappy about where he is and it seems to have worked out for him they've got a manager that they want at this moment in time yeah um, it speaks testament for the two as a partnership doesn't it that they came into a league two club and you know both the manager and assistant are now you know good uh have high stock in in you know what's a very big league the championship part of me does wonder does he look at shuey now his old assistant good mate and think should i have stayed i mean if Ryan Lowe had stayed, and let's say he gets promotion, I know it's kind of going into if spots, buts and maybes, but let's say he gets promotion with Argyle if he stays, which is fairly reasonable uh, outcome. His stock right now would be through the roof. He's he would have gone somewhere else, mate. He's he would have gone somewhere else. 
Long, yeah, yeah, you've, yeah. In a nutshell, he wouldn't he wouldn't be going to Preston, and he would have outgrown Preston and Argyle. He would be if Rob Edwards is going to flip in Luton. You know what I mean? Like he's the sky, yeah, the world's yeah, his yeah. oyster. So part of me does think, and that's what I remember saying at the time. It felt odd. It felt that's you could have stuck it out for a bit longer and got something quite yeah, frankly bigger and better. He 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 wanted to get away eventually. He said he didn't, but he did. Um, and I just feel when Shuey says he stays here, I mean we've heard murmurings only that he turned down a couple of. No. I think maybe Huddersfield, maybe Swansea, yeah. whether that was a thing or not. No. But when. Uh, you know, maybe Everton come knocking, there's a problem, but I feel Shuey would stay. I think Shuey would look beyond the money in the next six months and um, he wouldn't go for a marginal gain, Shuey. I think he would put some real weight on the fact that Simon Hallett would give him a job for life and that he'd have a job for years if he wanted it, even if they got relegated. I think he is smart enough to evaluate the value of that as where, you know, R- Ryan would go for 10 bob more. Yeah. I mean, Shuey's in the really beneficial position that he's seen Ryan Lowe do what he could do. You know, he's got that kind of case study right in front of him. And I don't know, has Ryan Lowe got much of a better job? Maybe a, a bit. I would argue not, but I ex- accept my bias in that. So, yeah, it's interesting. It must be very interesting for Shuey to watch what's happened to his old mate, to his old boss of sorts. And I wonder the, if they make eye contact in that handshake, you know, because they've got that handshake right before, don't they? Even though they've clearly have texted loads or spoken loads or whatever. And mm. I just want them to glance in each other's eyes and all those things to come to the boil in that moment. I, I like the, I like the uh, the predo of the uh, both managers being sent off. That, that doesn't happen enough, actually. That I could Go back to that Portsmouth uh, playoff semi-final where there was chaos. Like a bit of that. Actually, there's Ryan had a bit. Uh, Ryan Lowe had a bit of form for that. I'm sure there was some, Bristol, Bristol Rovers last year. Uh, Stoke was it? I can't remember. Oh, with with Preston. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm thinking with us. Uh, there was an infamous um, touchline spat with uh, Graham Coughlin. Oh, it? Bristol Rovers. Yeah, no, there was something where he was getting involved, possibly with opposition player last yeah. year. Yeah, hot headed. Sure. Yeah, he, no, it'd be interesting. I mean, if there's a you know something controversial, red card, bad tackle, late goal. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those two manage that. But, but it's certainly obvious. I know I went with nil nil because I just, I just <laughs> funny how football works that way. They're not going to want to lose. We have certainly. I don't know if Ryan's carried this philosophy on, but you know, Plymouth Argyle and Stephen Schumacher value the prospect of winning over the over the fear of losing a point. But I just don't. They want. They aren't going to want to lose, are they? Yeah, here we go. Gonna wanna lose here we go. Each other. Okay, picking it up from that. Morgan Whitaker analysis we had two three weeks ago post Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. What are you saying at one one with thirteen seconds to go? Well, yeah, but again, this is what I'm saying is that I and I think I made in that same pod. I said, I just think even with a deliberate strategy, you revert to type. So you, I was surprised that Shuey threw the ball back because I just thought the, the footballer in him. Is, you know, there's got no, coached, not not himself, yeah, but when he got yeah. coached as a young person by old school guys, it was about playing it safe and not this sort of, you know, yeah. basball, moneyball kind of go get the three points kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And and that's when there's less emotion attached to it, Archie, is where there's emotion attached to this one. I think they they'd be quite happy to shake hands on a draw on a personal note. Obviously, they want to win. Yeah, that's what that's what I was going to say. Be one of those rare occasions where yeah. I, don't, I I think they'll value the loss slightly higher than normal personally that's what i was going to say so in that situation when there's 13 seconds to go and there's a not semi break on i think she was slowing it down a bit isn't he birmingham scars scars you a bit or last in the memory 
Um, there's no that would be sickening for us and for him if something like that happened. First goal changed everything, doesn't it? I mean, that's such an obvious thing to say about how important it is in football anyway. But I just think if we get the first goal, Ryan's emotional, you know, songs coming from the away end, which is loud. Away fans are always louder proportionally, aren't they? And we're yeah. one nil up. Is Does he turn that round? Can he get control of that? Is he is he rash? Um, I'd back Shuey better in those yeah. situations. Um but yeah, like I, like I say, there's a bit of me here that thinks they're, they'll do well. I mean, look, we've tried to do a couple of pods and I've, it's been very difficult for me to not be really bitter towards Ryan Lowe, even now we went over <laughs> over an issue that I should be over really, because like mm-hmm. I say, we didn't, we don't want him. We've got, mm-hmm. um, I'm doing it now, by the way, <laughs> but with the manager, the management team's better. We don't, we don't want him. So we need to get mm-hmm. over it, but I don't know. I, I think. That'll, I think that will come into it more so than normal. And maybe maybe Shuey has, needs a good team around him to try and drill him out of it. Right, I don't know about Ryan Lowe's new coaching team. He might be saying the same. Well, we spoke about Neil Jusnip. He'll be key in this, won't he? This won't be his first. This is not his first rodeo, is it? You know? I mean, it's a big game. Big game for Shuey personally. But I think Neil Jusnip will be key in preparation for this and and keeping Shuey's feet on the ground, making sure it's not too emotional, not too hot-headed. I think he could have a big role to play. As we said, he has done for the last three, four years. Wide variety of predictions from that panel, though, uh, Archie. I don't think anybody really knows. Mm. Um, exciting to see. You know, the, I'm still here for the ride. You know, Preston North End's a great club. And, um, you know, take the Ryan Lowe issue out of it. You know, I'm a bit done with playing Crawley. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. Stevenage and such like. You know, this is, no. a, this is a... We've just got promoted. This is a good game. Every one of our games so far has been a humdinger. And I would like this to be another one. Obviously, I want to win, but I mean, you know, there's, there's subliminally here what value we've had so far from our five championship games. And I want another. I've had some sugar. I want some more. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think we'll um, wrap it up there. Is there any more? Have you got anything left in the locker regarding low? Oh, probably not that we could air. Let's leave it there. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks a lot, mate. And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed these two pods. Uh, a lot of time went into these a lot of recording hours and we're really grateful for those people that uh, jumped on um it was great to have them on uh we've got actually one more prediction for you not from myself and not from tom a certain fan from japan will be seeing you out today with a wee uh, prediction for the preston game and we'll be back next weekend to discuss whatever happens up at deepdale hopefully something positive um but yeah let's see how that turns out all right i'll hand you over to a uh yeah, I send somebody. Take care. I got a massive everywhere you go. I got a massive everywhere you go. Hello. Uh, how are you? Uh, I'm Tatsuki. Do you know? <laughs> uh, I'm from Japan. Uh, today, great to be part of one of my favorite great podcasts. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, my, ah, sorry, uh, Argyle vs. Preston. My uh, prediction is Argyle 2 and Preston 1. Yeah. It could be a very, very tough game. Yes, but Argyle. Very, very, very great team. Very, very great, strong team. Yes. 
great performance so far. Uh, I hope they play another great game uh, next Saturday. Yes. Uh, score oh, and Hardy and Joe Edwards. Yes. Argyle 2, Preston 1. Yeah. Argyle are massive. Come on, you greens. Bye bye. Thank you.